You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. Today is Friday, November 4th. We have a day off in the World Series. Houston is up 3-2. to two. Obviously, we're going to devote our entire show to the World Series because, hey, we're going to get a Game 6 and maybe a Game 7. And before we do anything else, I wanted to kind of credit the Phillies I think, you know, we we talked a lot in the early rounds of the playoffs about, well, they don't belong here. They're the sixth seed. They wouldn't have been here in any previous playoff structure. And like, that's all true. It's like objectively a fact, but five games into the world series against the heavily favored Houston Astros. Here are the run totals, Houston, 18, Philadelphia, 17, and the five games, I mean, they haven't all been tight. You know, there was a seven, nothing, no hitter, obviously, but they've been tightly contested for the most part. And wildly entertaining and i think if anything no matter what happens in the final two games the phillies have sort of put to rest the do they belong here questions because they they got here and they have hung against the astros i mean they've won a couple games they still have a shot to win the world series and i think i think matt we should kind of take a moment and say good job philadelphia phillies just for that there's no history will not remember this as like the team that was like underwhelming just like i mean win or lose um they obviously been great in the postseason they've played their best got hot at the right time, all that stuff. But like they don't feel out of place here. Um, they obviously have a lot of star power, which helps. But it's not new to see a team that, you know, looks underwhelming in the regular season, makes the World Series often, like last year with the Braves, wins the World Series, and this will be no different. I'm very excited, though, for the narrative to be that they got here because they made a managerial change. And maybe they did. Like, Rob Thompson seems to have had a very positive effect. But at the same time, people will say that and forget, like, you know, the Angels fired their manager and got worse. <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't always work this way. All right, Houston's up 3-2. Um, I want to talk about Game 5 last night in a little bit. But only eight teams in World Series history have ever done what the Phillies need to do, which is to go on the road in game six and seven while down three games to two and win. Now, six of those teams are from many decades ago, and I'm not even going to list them out. None more recent than the 1979 Pirates. But the last two, I think, are pretty interesting. The 2016 Cubs did it. Kyle Schwarber played on that team. And the 2019 Nationals did it in, wait for it, Houston. So the Phillies obviously are, you know, the odds are long, but it's not impossible. You know, they're Second best hitter has done it. The Houston Astros themselves have had a team come in and kind of blow them out of the water in the last two games. Like, it's possible. It could be done. I think that's important to realize. Like, it's been pretty recently done against the same team. The The game last night um, is Houston won 3-2. Verlander was pretty shaky, but he got through five uh, in part because I think they just wanted to get him a playoff W. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, it was fine. I, I wanted to focus, I think, on um, the, the the difference in the defenses because there were a couple plays at the same position that I think really like laid bare the difference between these two teams at times. Uh, one of those came at first base and one of them came in center field. So at first base, right, top of the eighth inning, Houston's up 2-1, runners on first and third for Jordan Alvarez. 
hits a ball to Reese Hoskins, bobbles the grounder. All right, gets the out, gets Alvarez at first, but Altuve scores. And if Hoskins catches that ball, probably gets Altuve at the play. I'm not saying definitely, but probably does. That saves a run. Like, that's a big deal. In the bottom of the same inning, so now it's 3-2 Houston, Kyle Schwarber's up with runners on first and third and two outs, scorches a ball to first base, and injury replacement Trey Mancini, who's basically like store brand Reese Hoskins in a lot of ways, makes a great play. And, you know, runs score, at least, if that ball gets past him. I'll pause before we do the center field version of this. But I, I found that so interesting. Like, you've got two guys in the same inning who are somewhat similar righty-righty first basemen have tried outfield but really should be dhs and one made the play and one didn't and that's like game and series changing stuff right there i don't want to say it was an easier play for mancini but it was definitely more just like a reaction he didn't have time to think and i think sometimes that just helps it was just like oh it's here i gotta i think his quote was i tackled the ball which was a good description he basically just (laughs) he basically just tackled the ball and he made the play whereas like hoskins it was one of those where it was like a two bouncer and he had to kind of Think about, okay, do I have a plate to plate? I kind of have to look up. Am I going to be able to pull this off? And he didn't. And Hoskins has had a rough series in a variety of ways. And we'll get kind of, we'll talk a little bit about that later when we talk about the Phillies lineup. But the defense has been a problem. And, you know, there haven't been the obvious, like, total screw ups by the Phillies defense that many people expected because, like, but there have been subtle ones. And Hoskins had one in game two where he couldn't scoop a throw from across the diamond. Again, it wasn't like a, terrible play, but it was a play a major league first baseman usually makes. And that was another one last night where it was like, this was a play a major league first baseman usually makes. And that run was huge. Yeah. To your point, uh, Alec Bohm has made a couple of nice plays at third base. Nick Castellanos is suddenly playing like a glove first, light hitting defensively oriented outfielder, which is kind of funny. Uh, the other, the other uh, comparison I want to make from last night in game five in center field, right? There were two huge plays in center field, very first batter of the game. Jose Altuve doubles. Brandon Marsh goes and gets the ball and he kicks it around. That allows Altuve to get to third base error on the center fielder. And then he scores right away on the, on a single by Pena bottom of the ninth, Three two Houston. J T. Romito is up with no on and one out. Crushes the ball to center field. Actually would have been a home run in nine parks, although not Houston. And Chaz McCormick goes up and makes one of the all time great, I think, World Series plays. And you know if McCormick doesn't catch that ball, well, it bounces around a lot. Romito is at least at second, maybe at third with the tying run. And in the first inning, if you think about you know what Marsh did, I mean. Syndergaard ended up being okay. He did not look good in the first inning. Like they looked like the wheels were about to fall off. So it's kind of another thing where one center fielder makes a great play and saves the game. Another center fielder puts his team at risk. And, you know, like you said, some of the Phillies defenders have played pretty well, like Castellanos. Bohm has been okay. But these are the kind of things where when you're not hitting and the Phillies mostly aren't hitting, you can't really overcome some of these mistakes that they're making. Yeah, I was, I mean, speaking of the Phillies not hitting, even clearly their manager doesn't have a lot of faith in them scoring runs because when Altuve got the third, he brought the infield in, which I thought was... What was that? (laughs) That was a weird, weird decision. And Jeremy Pena, it went right through the middle. Marsh had another play later in the game where like Yuli Gurriel let off, I can't remember, it was like the fourth or fifth inning with a blooper. And he like foolishly tried to dive and played it into a double. That was also a weird play. They got they ended up getting out of the out of the inning um, because the bottom of the Astros lineup can't do anything. But it was like again, it was one of those plays that when it happened, I was like, oof, this is this 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 could be bad. And they fortunately got bailed out by the bottom of the Astros lineup. But it was it was not um, a great day for uh, for Marsh. 
No, no, it wasn't. Um, the defense comparison in this series has been kind of interesting. Like, I know you wanted to bring up Jeremy Pena, who I think most people look at what he's done as being uh, one of the best hitters that the Astros have had, like which is incredible for a rookie coming in to replace Carlos Correa. Uh, but as as you've kind of noted in our little document here, he's been really impressive on defense. Yeah, well. I want to talk about him because I wanted to kind of give, I will give a tip of the cap to Mike, because when we were talking about the Mariners... Astros series and Mike does his position by position breakdowns. He was like, "Oh, Crawford over Pena, no question." I mean, sorry, Pena over Crawford, no question. No, no. And yeah. I was like, "Why, why, why, no question?" I'm like, I, "I could see it, but it's not like no." He was like, "Pena, much better defensive shortstop," and the metrics say that outs above average says that, and certainly in the postseason, the eye test has said that. I mean, just last night, Pena, the last play of the game, actually a ground out by Castellanos, was. Not a hard play, but it was not a routine play. And as a rookie with two runners on, bottom of the ninth, one-run World Series game, it was it was a challenging play, and he made it pretty easily. Um, earlier in the game, Gene Segura had let off an inning with a high chopper, and he kind of like caught, you know, scooped it at his waist and threw a rocket across, a quick-release rocket across the diamond to get him. Would have been a leadoff single otherwise, a really tough play. Nick Castellanos with Bryce Harper on first um, with one out, hit an absolute laser, the hardest hit ball he's hit all postseason in the third inning, and Pena made a leaping leaping grab. It was going to be at least first and third, maybe second and third, if it gets into the outfield. Pena, I mean, he, he was ALS, ALCS, ALCS MVP. He might be World Series MVP. Last night, he also had two RBIs. I can't get over it because this guy wasn't, I mean, last offseason, they basically let Correa walk. It was like, well, that Carlos Correa walk. And they're like, oh, well, now they're, maybe they'll sign Trevor Story. Like, at least the keys can be a little cheaper. They'll sign Trevor Story. Nope. Not going to tell her story. Jeremy Pena, yes, he was the Astros' number one rated prospect by MLB Pipeline entering the year. Was not on the top 100 prospects entering the year. And we keep seeing this with these teams that are really good at player development. Like the Astros specifically with Pena, with their pitching. Um, see with the Braves, think of like Michael Harris. These guys who are not huge prospects, or at least by like, you know, the, the, the consensus. And they just like come to the majors and these teams are like, oh, yeah, no, we know this guy's good. We're just going to put him in, and he's going to be good. And they're right. And it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Pena's been a, a pretty remarkable player and just a fun guy to watch. I, I'm going to delve into a soft factor here that I can't quantify or back up in any way. But it it's, I don't know, maybe I think it's compelling because he's playing well. But uh, he he didn't just, like, show up on opening day this year and get put in the, the opening day lineup. I mean, that he did, obviously. But he was with the team during the postseason last year. And Carlos Correa, before he departed, said, you know, go play winter ball, take as many ground balls as you can. And the comparison I keep drawing to that is the Yankees shortstop situation where they put in Isaiah Conner-Falefa, it didn't go great. And then like at the very last minute, they tried to put in some of the younger up and coming prospects. And I wouldn't say put them in position to succeed. You know, like if, if Peraza or even Volpe had been with the team like earlier in the year, like just had been around the major league leaguers, had been with them in the postseason last year, even if they didn't play. Like, I can't prove that you never can. But I, I just thought that's, you know, you see Pena coming in and not even missing a beat. And I feel like that kind of stuff matters. We'll take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the rest of the World Series so far. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, We are back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast, Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. We have had five pretty entertaining World Series games. Speaking for myself, I guess I would be interested, Matt, if you agree with me on this. So you and I both have, I guess, what we could consider dream jobs, right? We talk about baseball all day and it's wonderful. But I, at the end of like most World Series, it's been a long season and I'm like exhausted and October is a lot of late nights and I'm kind of happy to just watch movies and watch hockey and go to bed early. And I don't feel that way right now. Like this is like the most energetic I've been at the end of a long season in a couple of years. And I don't know if that's just because the postseason was so much fun or because, you know, there are so many questions about what we we would have a season over last winter and all that. Um, But I think this World Series is just it's doing it for me in a way that maybe last year's World Series didn't. And I don't know if I can put my finger on why. Maybe it's because the Phillies are so much fun to watch. Uh, maybe it's because we had a no-hitter and that kind of stuff is cool. But I'm I'm like really enjoying this one, I think more so than I have a couple of World Series. I do think the Phillies, just like there's something, this is where kind of like the parody argument wins for me. Like it's fun to see new teams and their fan bases like get into it, right? Like, and I the Astros have been there every year. It's just like, it's just not the same. Even the Braves last year, yes, it was their first World Series in a while, but they're in the postseason like every year. So I think maybe also if you're just like, if you're just a, a sort of a, a neutral observer, seeing the same teams over and over again, it's just like, eh, like you've seen the same backdrops, the same fans, the same the same vibes. So like seeing Philly in the World Series, it's like, it's 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 mayhem and it's cool, right? So it's like, I think that's, to me, that's definitely added a level of a, uh, excitement and interest and there's been a couple of I mean the no hitter was interesting I mean it's it's a it's a combined no hitter obviously it's this is not Don Larson I'm not gonna make the argument it's still interesting it had this is not like it happens all the time it hasn't this is a, this is the first combined no hitter in World Series history um so it's kind of cool and interesting game one was a classic last night was just like game five was a great World Series game so like it's even game three which was a blowout was just like this like epic beatdown by the Phillies under like a crazy crowd, which was just cool. It was like, this was an amazing baseball atmosphere. So with, with the exception of game two, it was just kind of a ho-hum, like whatever, 5-2 win. Every other game has had something that has felt kind of special and unique. I think that's part of it. I think the Phillies and their fans just leaning into being like, oh my God, I can't believe we're here. There, somebody tweeted a picture or a video or whatever of Reese Hoskins' wife just like buying an entire case of beer to like walk around the stadium with, which is amazing. Now, part of the reason the Phillies are down right now is because they've had some offensive problems and not just getting no hits, specifically runners in scoring position problems. Last night in game five, they stranded 12 guys on base. I didn't realize this till I read it this morning in uh, Todd Zalecki's piece. That is the most in a nine-inning World Series game since 1980, more than 40 years ago, since the Royals that year had 13 against the Phillies in Game 5. Harper last night, he actually reached base four times 
and he scored zero runs. And depending on what perspective you approach your baseball with, you might say, well, they're not manufacturing enough. They're not playing enough small ball, you know, move the run over. And if fine, like if you're not scoring runs, you're getting guys on base, you're not scoring runs, fine. Uh, But I think it's more than that. I just think like when they're getting their hits, they're hitting home runs. And when they're not, they're really just not doing a whole lot of anything else. You know, like in the first game, in game one, they won, right? They went four for 10 with runners in scoring position. In the four games since, one for 19 with runners in scoring position. Now, I think as baseball fans, we're sort of pre-inclined to look at that as a failure on the part of the Phillies, which it is. But I also have to say, the Houston pitching is insanely good. Like, we've been talking about this for a while. They are so deep that they have pitchers they can't even get on the mound. And I don't know how you start anywhere by saying, you've seen Brian Abreu pitch now, right? Like, you saw what Christian Javier did, right? Like, these guys are amazing. The the, the Astros have two pitchers who basically haven't even pitched. or Actually, three pitchers. I guess, like, Ryan Stanek, who Dusty Baker doesn't seem to trust for some reason, even though he has a pretty track record of being a very good reliever, including this year. He's pitched a total of one inning and two appearances in the World Series. Uh, Hunter Brown has not pitched at all. He's a rookie, but like nasty stuff has been dominant at times. Luis Garcia, I think, <laughs> pitched one inning in that he gave the home run to Real Muto in relief in game one. But like Luis Garcia, very good pitcher. Like they don't, they have too many pitchers. They don't know, they don't know what to do with. I see you laughing. What, what are you going to say? I'm, I'm la- oh, so you brought up Hunter Brown, who hasn't pitched. And I was writing about the Astros like two weeks ago or whatever. And so Hunter Brown, when he made his debut on like September 8th or whatever it was, you know, or his first start like back in September. So he pitched really well. And Martin Maldonado uh, was approached for a quote about him. And he said, oh, he's really good. He sort of reminds me of uh, JV back in the day. And they're like, JV? Like, yeah, Justin Verlander. He reminds me of a young Justin Verlander. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that's the guy who can't get on the mound in the World Series? <laughs> and you actually, you wrote about this in a piece when you were sort of comparing Aaron Judge's 60 home run series to 60 home run season to 60 home run seasons from the past. And I think about this all postseason because one of the points you made was that like Aaron Judge never faces a tired pitcher during the regular season. He like hardly faces a guy a third time to the order, um, constantly like so many more different pitchers. And that is just like turbocharged in the postseason. Like the Phillies never, the Phillies or Astros really, especially the Phillies with this Astros bullpen, unless Dustin Baker <laughs> leaves Lance McCullers in inexplicably too long. They never face tired pitchers. They never face a pitcher, pitcher a third time. It's like, it's really hard to do anything when you're just facing like fresh, nasty pitchers all the time. And that's that's how teams manage in the regular season now. And it's with, with the extra days off when you have them in the postseason, it just makes it that much easier to manage that way. Have you noticed the massive difference between the quality of the starting pitchers and the relief pitchers in this postseason. So there have been 20 different pitchers who have thrown at least 25 pitches, right? 20 pitchers. If you order them by best to worst uh, from using weighted on base average, which is similar to OPS, here are the five worst pitchers in the post in the World Series so far. Lance McCullers, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Noah Syndergaard, and presumptive Cy Young winner and definite Hall of Famer Justin Verlander. <laughs> if, you, if you group starters and relievers, right, starters have allowed 10 home runs and a 465 slugging percentage. Relievers have allowed one home run and a 218 <laughs> slugging percentage. And the one home run, as you noted, Luis Garcia is a starter. He just happened to be pitching in relief. And I get it. Like, you can't make the whole plane out of relievers. Obviously, Christian Javier pitched great, and you're not going to not start Aaron Nola or Justin Verlander. Like, get it i'm not saying bullpen seven games worth of a world series 
but man, the differences are, are compelling. Like to take Brian Abreu as an example, he's other than Brown is like the most anonymous pitcher on the Houston staff. And every time I, I watch it, I'm like, are you the best reliever in baseball? Like, do we just not know that yet? He, he certainly looks, I mean, like I, I, he looks like the nastiest pitcher reliever in the postseason this year. Um, whether or not like, Hey, you maybe trust Brian Presley a little bit more just cause the track record, but in terms of just pure stuff, Abreu's has been the most impressive. Yeah, it's wild just to see. And, you know, we'll get into um, what's coming ahead in game six and seven a little bit later. But I think just by the nature of possibly getting down to elimination games, like the bullpens are going to be used even more heavily. I want to talk about the Phillies offense, though. I want to talk a little bit about lineups. And I don't usually care that much about lineup order. Like, it gets so much more oxygen than it deserves. Like, I have always said, put your best six guys in the top six and your worst three in the bottom three. And that's like 95% of it. I don't, I don't care that much after that. And yet I'm going to spend some time talking about lineup order because I got to say, I don't like Bryce Harper hitting cleanup. I think if Bryce Harper is your best hitter, which we probably can agree he is, you don't ever want to have a situation where you get out of the first inning and you didn't have your best hitter hitting. That's why I don't like him hitting fourth, you know? And the weird thing is that's not what it was like during the regular season. So here's the top four they've been using in the playoffs. Schwarber, Hoskins, Romito, Harper, okay? But for most of the regular season, at least when Harper was healthy, it was Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Romito. And what Rob Thompson said, like, well, you know, why did he change it? Uh, because, and this applied more in the earlier rounds than it does now, he said he wanted to keep him further away from Kyle Schorber in the lineup because they're both lefties. And if you have them close to each other or back to back, then, you know, in comes Josh Hader or whoever your dominant lefty reliever of choice is, and that's a bad matchup. Well, the Astros don't really use lefty relievers. That's partially because their righties are so split neutral and dominant, they don't really need one. But, you know, even so, that kind of takes away that argument. And as you alluded to earlier, Matt, Reese Hoskins has been kind of brutal. Like, he has done very little, a couple big home runs, that's true. But if I'm Rob Thompson, I'm not hitting Hoskins second. I'm making sure Bryce Harper hits in the first inning as often as I can for the remaining one or two games. Hoskins is between his wife buying beers and just like having like the one of the best home run uh, celebrations we've ever seen in that uh, opening round against <laughs> yes. uh, the Braves. He's earned himself a lot of goodwill uh, with with some of his moments, and he does he does have six home runs this postseason, and that's big. That's I mean. We've talked about it all the time. Easiest way to score in the postseason is home runs. He has hit home runs. But other than the six home runs he's hit, he's hitting 169, 217, 462 with 23 strikeouts and four walks. Um, he's really, really hurting them in the number two spot because, like, he's kind of the bridge between the Schwarber and then Hoskins, Har- Hoskins, Ramuto, um, Harper. And having him there kind of breaks up any chance of a rally because he's just been he's been really bad. He cannot get on base. I actually think they should make, they're not going to do this, but to your point, I think they should hit Harper our, our second. Be like, I dare you to bring Will Smith into a game. Like, just, he hasn't pitched all World Series. They clearly do not trust him. There have actually been a couple of times when Harper came up in big spots or Schwarber came up in big spots with two outs where they could have said, you know, we'll bring in Will Smith here because, like, if he gets his guy, he's only got to face one batter, and we think this matchup is worth is worth getting it. They clearly have no faith in Will Smith. So, like, if I'm the Phillies, like, I would welcome a Bryce Harper or Kyle Schwarber versus Will Smith matchup right now. So, um, that's that's my that's my flaming hot take from thousands of miles away from Houston. But um, at the very least, I think get Hoskins at the number two spot because it's he's he's been killing the lineup. They can't get any rhythm going with his two seventeen OBP this postseason. 
No, I'm with you. I, I think part of the problem is they just don't have enough good hitters right now. I mean, we can talk all we want about how Castellanos has played some very good defense, and he has, but hasn't hit at all. Doesn't have a home run this postseason, which is just kind of like an extension of his season-long struggles. I think Schwarber first and Harper second is compelling. I also think there is absolutely no chance they will absolutely <laughs> actually do that. Like, I, I cannot see him loading up the and, top of the lineup with two lefties. And Harper doesn't hit second anyway. Like, I, I, he's not going to do and, it. And also, and to be to be fair, they would not do it against Farmer Valdez with a left-hander starting the game. So this would be maybe more of a game seven, right. game seven exactly. issue. But I think it's more about getting Hoskins out of the number two spot. And it's they're, they're sort of a weird lineup now, too. And this is like, this is eye test. And this is like, this is, you know, some of this is eye test and like vibes. So I'm not, I recognize that, you know, it's not the most scientific. But like, I... A lot of the guys in the bottom, like Stott and Segura, I feel like they're taking better at bats than Castellanos and Bohm and Hoskins, which may be good because it sort of like lengthens their lineup a little bit. Um, but it does feel like after you get through Harper, there's like a lull in that in that lineup. Before, you know, it's just, but it, it kind of goes back to what we're saying. <laughs> is it that they, they can't hit or just the Astros pitching is, is that good? There are only five, I looked this up, there are only five players on these rosters um, there are only five players on these rosters, regular like regulars. I think I I, I set the at like 150 uh, plate appearances, plate 150 pitches faced this postseason with an expected weight on base above 330 this postseason, and that's basically like you know kind of like league. I use it as proxy for like league average number. Only five out of all the like the the 18 regulars in the lineup. It just goes to show just how good the pitching is in the postseason. Is sort of my point. If I if I'm hearing you correctly, I'm sure that I am. Your argument is that they should have Hoskins ninth and June Segura second, which I I think is a, an unexpected one. I don't think they're going to. Do that. I would. That, 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 is, not, that is not um, what I'm saying. You're right against the lefty. That's not what I'm no, saying. I know. Um, you lead off with Schorber. Lead off with Schorber. Real Muto second. Harper third. The rest of it doesn't matter. That is what I would do against the lefty. I'll be interested to see if they do. Uh, Houston has also had a bit of their own offensive issues so if you look at the ops from all of the offense all of the defensive positions for houston right in the world series pena has been great over a thousand at shortstop bregman's been great over 900 at third base tucker has been very good almost 900 at right field yeah, first base and second base have been okay center field's been kind of a disaster as expected catcher's been kind of a disaster at second their dh ops is 578 yeah, that's terrible. Their left field OPS, and I swear this is true. Here's the triple slash line. 0.050. 0. That is in 30 plate appearances from left fielders, all from Jordan Alvarez or Ledmus Diaz. 29 outs and one walk. And there's your left fielders in the World Series. That's a problem. Now, Alvarez is obviously incredibly dangerous. He just hasn't done much since you know the Seattle series where he started off incredibly and the more I watch this Astros lineup the more it just it feels like they're short a bat or two the fact that they lost Michael Brantley I think is huge because he could have been that left fielder the fact that Trey Mancini has not done much of anything at all since being traded is huge because he could have been that DH and Dusty Baker was actually asked about this earlier today and he said he doesn't know who will start at DH in game six (laughs) with their struggles and here's the quote he said no one has really stood up It'd be different if we had Bryce Harper. And I feel like that's true for every team. It would be different if you had Bryce Harper. And yet they have a decision to make. It's going to be a right-handed starter on the mound in Zach Wheeler. We don't, I guess the wrench here, Matt, and maybe you know more about this than I do. 
in game five, Yuli Gurriel came out of the game because he got run over by, I can't remember, I think it was Bohm. It looked like he got a knee to the head. Uh, and so Mancini had to come in and play first base. We don't know the status for game six. We don't know if Gurriel can play first base or if Mancini will have to. But they're going to have to make some decisions at DH, and I'm not sure there are any good ones right now. I, I, I did not see this myself. One of my colleagues told me that Yuli, this is this is secondhand information. I guess I could check it right now, that he, he posted something on social, saying, social media saying he was going to play. Um, I guess we'll see. I sort of think that, I mean, if he's out, I mean, he's actually hit pretty well in the postseason and he, you know, he hasn't, he, you know, he didn't strike out his first 50 plate appearances. He at least gives you some tough at bats. He hits, doesn't really hit for any power, but he's, you know, he was hitting 300 for the postseason, I think, in aggregate. Uh, without him, it really shortens, <laughs> shortens that lineup. I think you have to play Mancini either way. He's been brutal, but at least he has some track record. And while Hensley's gotten a couple, David Hensley's gotten a couple singles, he doesn't really have any power. I feel like Mancini might run into one and hit one of the Crawford boxes. I kind of think I'd put him back back out there. What would you do? Listen, I've made it through five games of the World Series without having to learn who David Hensley is, and you're not going to make me change that right now. Gurriel has to be in the lineup if he's healthy. I think, obviously, you play him at first base. I think your choices are, I mean, you, you really don't want Diaz in the lineup, right? Which means you have to have Alvarez in left field. And then who's your DH? Is it is it Hensley? I mean, they're just so, they're short on options. Have I forgotten somebody? No, I mean, it's also just how bad their bench is, right? There was a moment last night, and this was right. before Gurriel left the game. So Mancini was still available on the bench where Maldonado came up with a man on second and two outs. And it was like a classic pinch hit situation. And they let Maldonado hit. And it was kind of like, wow, what are you saying? about I mean, to, and to be clear, they had let Christian Vasquez start the game the night before Christian Vasquez caught the no hitter. Like they clearly have some faith in Christian Vasquez. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they still let Maldonado, one of the worst hitters in baseball, hit in a situation where a one run, a hit would have made a huge difference. I mean, their bench is basically nothing. It's amazing that they are nine and two this postseason with the bottom of lineup and the bench that they have, uh, one went away from from winning from winning the World Series. So I would I'd go back to Mancini just for the the fact that he has some track record and is more likely to home run. Yeah, you're right. He is kind of perfectly situated for the uh, short porch there in left field. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to look ahead to what's next in Game Six and Seven, including some absolutely terrifying quotes from Game Six starter Zach Wheeler. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. 
Today is Friday, November 4th. We are looking ahead to Saturday and Sunday for Game 6, potentially a Game 7. Today, Friday, is a travel day. Everybody goes back to Houston. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, we have a Game 6, and it's going to be for Amber Valdez, who's been very good, and Zach Wheeler, who can be very good. He's on seven days rest. This whole situation is bizarre to me. I think on talent alone, he's better than Aaron Ola. I think he's the best starter the Phillies have. I think he's one of the 10 or so best starters in Major League Baseball. Like Zach Wheeler is amazingly good. And we've seen that at times during this postseason. I mean, look at game one of the NLCS, right, against the Padres. Seven shutout innings, one hit. And then the starts since then have been a little weird because he started out hot, then the velocity drops, and we know he missed time late in the season. He missed about a month. And he hasn't thrown more than 96 pitches since he's come back. I am now going to share with you some absolutely terrifying quotes if you are a Phillies fan hoping that Zach Wheeler keeps your season alive. Here are three of them. Uh, on Thursday, he said, and I quote, it's the end of the season. Every Everything is barking. You know what I mean? And then Rob Thompson said, I do think that ramping up quickly post-injury, it took its toll on him a little bit. And that's why you're seeing the velocity go down a little bit. And then here's the kicker. Here's what Zach Wheeler said. I don't know what it's going to be when I go out there. Oh, no. <laughs> that is his regular rest start would have been in game five. And they went with Noah Syndergaard instead. And they lost the game. I don't think they lost because of Syndergaard. He was fine, but he's not Zach Wheeler. And instead of going with Wheeler on his regular day and potentially having a little bit of him out of the bullpen in game seven, they pushed him back for seven days rest. They are clearly worried about him. The quotes are there. The evidence is there. And the fact that um, Rob Thompson also said today that Ranger Suarez will be available in relief in game six and not saved for a game seven start means they're not actually convinced that Zach Wheeler is going to be out there for more than like 15 minutes. I, I'm not even a Phillies fan. And this whole thing makes me uncomfortable. It, it, part of me wants to think they're just being coy. And but the fact that they, they held them out of game five suggests as you is a pretty strong suggestion. This is not just them being coy and trying to like play a little like mind games. It, it's it's a concern. His I mean, his fastball was down a couple of ticks in his start in game, I guess, in game two uh, in the World Series. It is I mean, it is very well set up for the Astros in game six. Um if it gets to game seven, it gets a little dicey because they don't really have, I mean, they, they'd they have to throw Christian Javier on short rest. And man, I'm sure they regret <laughs> starting Lance McCullers in game three, um, as opposed to Christian Javier in game three. But they'd still have, you know, they'd have Christian Javier on short rest, presumably for maybe two or three innings. And then a, and then a rested bull, they still would be able to be like, oh, we still have McCullers or Luis Garcia. Who should we go to first? Like two like quality, quality pitchers. I guess those are, you know, those are high class problems as it were when it comes to, comes to pitching, but it's very well set up for the Astros in game six. I just realized, I, I remember when we did predictions for the series, I said Astros in six, and I'm, I think I called it the coward's suggestion because I didn't want to pick a sweep or seven. Um, I don't remember what you said. I, I will admit this is not the shape of the series this that I expected. This is not how I thought we'd get to maybe Astros in six, but I'm just pleased it's still on the table. And yet as a consumer, not only of baseball, but of baseball chaos, I want it to go seven. Because can you imagine how much we can get out of that? Are you really going to start Lance McCullers again? Like, really? You saw what happened last time. In game seven? Really? But then Christian Javier's never started on short rest after another start. You're right. You could piece it together. Three from him and two from Rikidi and two from McCullers. Like, it's, you have the pitchers. You have the dudes. You could do it. Obviously, if if you get to that point, if if the Phillies win, then I'm guessing Wheeler probably didn't blow up. 
which might mean you still have Ranger Suarez for game seven. But if somehow he has to come in and they win, now you've got Aaron Nola on what I guess would probably be short rest, right? I, I mean, I want to see what Dusty would do. I want to see if he'd really send out Lance McCullers. I want two baseball games and not one baseball game. But I mean, huge advantage to the Astros in like every conceivable way in the pitching for the remaining two games of the I mean, potential two games of the season. You could argue that Luis Garcia on merit is, is the best pitcher to start the game anyway. <laughs> Forget about McCullers. So like Garcia on full rest versus McCullers on ver, for full rest versus Javier on short rest. You could argue Garcia is the best choice Anyway, I do think, I mean, like, that's the starting pitching thing. I've seen a couple people be like, oh, how did, you know, why did Dusty make this decision? I don't think Dusty's making that call on his own. That's an organizational choice. It it was a weird choice to start McCullers because of all the talk of, hey, the, the one thing the Phillies do well is hit breaking balls. They struggle against velocity. And the one thing that uh, McCullers does is throw breaking balls. And while Javier has this four-seam fastball, well, it's not incredible velocity by four-seam fastball standards clearly plays the velocity clearly plays up because of some deception or like hidden rise in his fastball as some have documented so uh it was a strange strange decision i guess you know some teams you know putting a premium on postseason experience although as you mentioned to me when we were talking the other day in game seven of the was it the 2017 world series mccullers hit four batters <laughs> he started the game and he pitched yeah. he pitched two and a third scoreless innings but he actually hit four guys I remember, I remember writing about this at the time because I thought it was like a really fun way to look at. Well, he's thrown a shutout. He's dealing. How could how could you take him out at this point? <laughs> That's what happened. The, the Javier thing's interesting. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Like it's just very fun to watch. And a lot of it is as you you know as you said about the rise, about the deception. He only throws about ninety three, ninety four. And since he's never started on short rest, I would be interested to know you know if if I don't want to. I don't want to reduce how good of a pitcher and how talented of a pitcher he is to like what I'm about to say. But in some ways, he is the I have one weird trick and see how it works. And if that one weird trick is slightly less weird, like if the rise is not quite there and all of a sudden it's not 93 that looks like 98, it's 93 that looks like 93 in that ballpark, that would be a little concerning to me. But also it doesn't matter because if that's the case, you'd be able to see it pretty quickly. And then you've got 76 other amazingly talented pitchers that you can bring in that, if you that, want that, that's my That's my big concern for Game 7, frankly, is that Dusty will not manage with the urgency that would be required if Javier comes out and doesn't look like he has it. Because it, when it comes, like, that's, well, that's, that's, that's what I keep coming back to. It's just like... He has not. I will say in game five, he showed some urgency um, with maybe the way he used his pitchers. But having to take Javier after like four batters, if it doesn't look like he has it, I don't think he's going to be the guy that does that. You think he would actually start Javier on short rest over playoff tested Lance McCullers? I think I don't think he would. Well, I mean, as I said, I don't think it's just him. I think it's the organization. I think after the way McCullers looked in game three and the fact that the I mean, I mean, you talked about the way they were throwing fastballs to Harper. Like, that's not going to be McCullers. McCullers is, 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 is breaking balls, breaking balls, and then more breaking balls. And the Phillies struggle with velocity. The one guy they've really hit this series is is McCullers. Man, I'd, I'd be, I would be surprised if McCullers started Game 7. But then again, I think the, 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 
the Astros are in very good shape to win game six to begin with. So I guess we'll, you know, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, I guess I'm going to stick with my Astros and six prediction because uh, that's what I said and that's what it's well set up to be. So the next time we talk, the next time we have a podcast, the World Series will be over. It will end either on Saturday or Sunday. So we'll know by Monday who the 2022 World Series champion is. And the next time we talk, we'll wrap up the World Series and look ahead to the offseason. That will do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thank you for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. See you next week.